Welcome to Vinyasa in Verse, the podcast where we connect mind, body, and spirit through poetry and practice. I'm Leslie Ann Hobayan. Together, we'll explore different ways of connecting with our innermost selves and how to tap into the flow of the universe. Because once that happens, anything is possible. Your best life starts now. Hey, loves. Welcome to another episode of Vinyasa in Verse. How are you on this beautiful day? Wherever you are, I hope that you can create a little time for yourself to create beauty in a single moment, whether it's in a deep breath or just a moment of awareness, a moment of observation. Look for the small glimpses of beauty as you move through your day. So today, uh, we will turn to our great oracle book of poems by Hafez, this book called The Gift. And as you can hear, maybe you can hear. All right, we've got two bears, two bears. Once after a hard day's forage, two bears sat together in silence on a beautiful vista watching the sun go down and feeling deeply grateful for life. Though after a while, a thought-provoking conversation began, which turned to the topic of fame. One bear said, did you hear about the Rustam? He has become famous and travels from city to city in a golden cage. He performs to hundreds of people who laugh and applaud his carnival stunts. The other bear thought for a few seconds, then started weeping. Hmm, how's that for a metaphor? How's that uh, for, uh, for a metaphor for performing according to what other people want, what other people expect of you? Um, I love this poem. It comes at such an interesting time. Uh, where right now, culturally, socially speaking, we are asked to become more authentically ourselves. A lot of the layers are being peeled away. A lot of people are starting to show their true colors uh, when put under pressure of things like the pandemic, things like the Black Lives Matter movement, um, and things like the election coming up. So uh, it's interesting to see all that happening. And this poem comes at a great time to be reminded of who we are being. Are we being that bear in a golden cage performing carnival stunts? Or are we the bear who's weeping, who is sad for the other bears who are performing. Because the bear who's weeping knows who he is or she is, knows her true essence. And in the beginning of the poem, you know, it starts once after a hard day's forage. So the bears are looking for food or foraging for food. That's what they do. That's who they are. That's what they were, you know, meant to be, if you want. That's what their dharma is right? And so the idea of a bear being caged up and performing carnival stunts, I mean, in real life, it's terrible. You know, it's, 
it's like the whole dynamic of humankind having some sort of power over animals and making these animals do things, you know, that they're not meant to do. Um, but to, to see that metaphor, well, first of all, it's a reality, right? When we go to circus acts or, or any sort of performative thing that um, involves animals. And then to use that as a metaphor for us, it's like, wow, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing? Who am I being? Am I that bear in the cage? Or am I the bear who weeps because she sees others who are not being their most authentic self? Um, you know, I, it's funny because I, I am observing the change of the seasons. And I think people are starting to settle into this idea that perhaps this is how we're going to be living where there's a lot of space between our physical bodies, where we are masked, wearing a face covering um, all the time, uh, where human contact isn't accessible um, unless, you know, you live in the same house or, you know, you've been quarantined and, you know, all these conditions. And so as people settle into that or resist that, um, is this an opportunity for people to become more who they are? Uh, because there's no distraction of, well, I mean, ideally, there's no distraction of other people's expectations. Of course, those expectations are still there, but we're, there's this opportunity for us to be alone with ourselves um, in thinking about, all right, this is where I'm at. This is who I'm being. Is this really me? Um, you know, I, I'm teaching, I teach undergraduates, um, at Rutgers University and my class this fall, one of my classes this fall is finding your voice in the digital age. And we are exploring this idea of who we are, you know, what makes our identity, what makes who we are being? Is it the external labels? Is it our, our cultural heritage? Is it our gender? Is it our socioeconomic class? Um, is it our age? Is it our abilities, you know, our physical abilities, um, our health, like all these things that, that seem to define who we are, but is that who we really are? You know, there's the, the who we are as a physical manifestation of the spirit, right? But then there's the spirit identity and um, the soul identity. And, you know, the other day I was um, reading about something that had to do with the spirit and the soul. And there was a distinction that I can't quite remember now. Um, I'll see if I can find it and then, and then I'll, I'll come back on and, and do another episode on that. But I, from what I remember, the soul is the thing that is in your body that is, you know, living out your Dharma. Whereas the spirit is the essence that's connected with the divine. You know, that's like the light that is from source. Um, at least that's how I understood it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into that and, and, uh, and see what I find. And I'll let you know. But the, but the idea is that just for, you know, general conversation, general discussion, the, the soul, spirit soul 
is your essence, your true identity. And then there's the physical human being experience in who you are and the labels that come with it. And so the question becomes, you know, who are you being? Do both of those identities align with each other? Um, and what are you doing? If they're not, what are you doing to bring them into alignment? Uh, it all starts with awareness. It always comes back to awareness, to be aware of what it is you're doing. And sometimes, you know, I'll admit, sometimes I'm aware of what I'm doing and I'll still do it. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I'm eating a piece of chocolate at midnight right before I'm going to go to bed. And I know that it's not the healthiest thing, that it will likely convert to fat in my body that is not necessarily useful for my body. But you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. Why? Because, you know, I just need that piece of chocolate or whatever it is. Um, and that's a minor, you know, really small example. But I just wanted to, to say that even though there is awareness and you do the thing anyway, that's okay. As long as you have the knowledge that you are making that decision. Because when we make decisions blindly or, or sort of unconsciously, as Eckhart Tolle likes to say, um, then we're not growing. Then we're not evolving. Then we're not even healing. You know, in my last episode, I talked about healing and making friends with your trauma. And um, that begins with awareness. It begins with where are you hurting? You know, physically, you know, how is it showing up in your body? How are you hurting emotionally? Are there certain things that happen outside of yourself that then activate the hurt once again? You know, a lot of, um, a lot of our culture has turned to this word trigger as um, an indicator of uh, this activation of old hurts and traumas and things that we've either forgotten about or we've buried or we want to like push down below the surface. And, um, and what's interesting is that I've been seeing, and, and everybody is, is aware of this, seeing these things like trigger warnings, content warnings. Um, and I have, and I, and at first I was like, yeah, that's great. You know, that's great. But the thing is, the issue with that is, and there's been lots of conversations about this. The issue with that is you don't know what triggers people. You know, you don't know what will, will activate somebody's old pains or, or even recent pains. It can be anything, right? And we can't control how other people respond to us. We can only control ourselves. So, so the question then becomes, do I not say anything? Do I hold back from even saying the word trauma? Do I hold back from even talking about healing? No, no. It's a matter of a few things. One, when you speak about these things that might activate other people, if you speak about them with kindness with love, with an intention to care for the other, whoever might be receiving your message, then the delivery of those words feels less sharp. Um, so it's all about intention. But then on the receiving end of that, you know, we need to work on ourselves as far as how will we respond to something that might trigger or activate I like the word activate. Um, something that we thought was long gone. Something that we thought was dormant. Something that we thought we got rid of. 
You know, because sometimes there are hurts within us that we don't even know about. Um, I mean, you know, if I'm being honest, there's a lot, a, a lot, a large part, a large chunk of my childhood that I don't remember. I only have like bits and pieces here. And for the longest time, I thought that was normal. You know, it's like, oh, you're a certain age. You don't remember things when you were like seven. And then, you know, talking to more people, it's like, oh, no, no, people do remember that stuff. I don't remember that stuff because there's stuff that's happened to me that I don't even know about. I think, I suspect that I have memories that have been repressed because of unknown traumatic instances. Um, I'm not saying I grew up in an abusive household or anything like that, at least not that I know of. But if I find it very interesting to, to sit with this idea that I have memories in me that are potentially painful, that my body, my mind, my spirit have, have said, no, no, we're going to keep you safe or we're going to tuck these away somewhere. So sorry, you're not going to remember anything from your childhood, but this is for your, for your best good right now. You know, um, when I say right now, I mean back then. But now that I'm older and I've got, you know, some tools um, that can help me heal and resolve some of these things, I'm curious to uncover that stuff. But this is back to what I was saying as far as like how we respond to triggers or um, activations or messages that feel like, oh my God, I can't believe they're talking about that. This is going to like make me relive my trauma or re re traumatize me or, or any of that stuff. And it's, it's, how do I respond to that? You know, and it's about using the tools that a lot of us don't even know about. So for example, you know, strengthening our nervous system is the first place to go. There are ways physiologically we can strengthen our nervous system. There are ways spiritually we can do that, you know, mentally with awareness, all kinds of things. But a lot of us forget that our nervous system is the thing that bridges the physical and the spiritual and the emotional. Um, We don't take care of that, then all hell breaks loose. So it's important for us and it doesn't have to be someone, you know, who's a, a survivor of sexual violence or childhood trauma or abuse or anything like that. It could just be like everyday people just going through their lives. And there are moments that we remember, like a car accident, where we're like, oh, my God, I can never drive again. Or, you know, I can't drive on that road. And you have to ask yourself, okay, what can I do to release that? Because I can't be carrying that around for the rest of my life because it weighs me down and it, and it prevents me from being me, from being who I truly am, who, my most authentic self. And so it all begins with awareness and then being observant of the patterns of response and then equipping yourself with some tools so that your response can change from victim mode to someone who's empowered to someone who can grow from healing these traumas Um, and then from there you can be your most authentic self you can be who you truly are without having to worry about 
getting hurt because you stand in your own power, because you are resilient, because you know who you are, and because you have the tools to stand strong. And, um, and I'm saying this because I have, you know, I keep thinking about people I know, writers I know, myself included, you know, from maybe a few years ago. I mean, right now I'm okay, but for me a few years ago, you know, I was, I was writing about my trauma thinking that writing about it on the page would release it out of my body and that would begin to heal me. You know, writing about it, going into talk therapy about it, like doing all the things according to the traditional um, methods of healing I would thought I was on the path. I thought, yes, this is it. I'm going to release the trauma. I'm going to heal from it. I'm going to tell my stories. And other people will feel like they're not alone. Other people will see my journey and they will be inspired to do the same. And what happened was um, after the 2016 election, I had like crazy experiences of re-traumatization where I felt no, I no longer felt safe. I felt like any man on the street was going to attack me. I mean, it was crazy. And then it's, it said to me that I hadn't done any healing at all. And I was like, wait, what, you know, this is confusing because I thought I was doing the work. And it turns out that healing is not only at the level of talking. It's not only at the level of mind. We have to heal at the body, at the physiological level. We have to heal at the emotional level. We have to heal at the spiritual level. And so those pieces are missing from conversations when people talk about healing. You know, we need the whole package. And often it's just go to therapy, you know, go to a support group, um, you know, meditate. Sometimes meditation isn't a good thing. You know, I, I went to an online retreat with Pema Chondron and it was so amazing, so amazing. And, um, and she said there was one person who, who called in with a a question. It was really important. She was, she's been battling, um, mental illness and she talked a little bit about self-harm. It was very, very hard to watch because I was very, I could feel her pain and this woman's pain. And I, and I felt, um, you know, like, oh my God, I hope she doesn't harm herself. And, and Ani Pema was so gracious, so full of grace and amazing. And, um, at one point she said, you know, sometimes meditation isn't the answer. Sometimes sitting with those thoughts in your head is not the way to go. And I was like, oh my God, I got permission to not meditate. <laughs> but it was more like, you know, a lot of people think that meditation is the answer to everything. Like you got demons, sit with them. Mm, maybe that's not a good idea. You know, maybe like focusing on being grateful. This is what Anipema said. You know, maybe meditation isn't the good thing to sit with those demons, but to be thankful for things in your life in this present moment. Being thankful for your pet who shows unconditional love. Being thankful for your hands. You know, just being present with the sensation of your hands and be like, yes, I have hands. They allow me to make phone calls, to make food, to hug myself, whatever it is. And so um, it was just like, I don't know, it was just it was just so great. So amazing. Um, so so meditation sometimes isn't the answer. But what's important is to think about healing as a whole package deal, you know, 
and the miracle of healing. And now healing is not, there's no end to it, you know, like grief. There's no end to it. It just changes and morphs and transforms and becomes part of you in a way that either serves you or doesn't, you know, so depending on how you work with it. Um, healing can serve you in ways, for example, like for me, I can share my story. I can share my healing journey and demonstrate that yes, it can be done. I can share the things that I've learned, teach people the things that I've learned as far as how I can thrive in this life and tell my stories about my traumas in ways that don't re-traumatize me because you know I can talk about it and be okay and not feel vulnerable in that emotional hangover kind of way. Vulnerability is a good thing, by the way. Just wanted to insert that. Um, but I don't, I don't feel that hangover of, okay, I need to go like hibernate for three days and recover because I just exposed myself um, and, and feel like I just re-traumatized myself. No, I, I did a lot of work, you know, I built a lot of resilience. I strengthened my nervous system. And so I'm able to talk about how I survived this trauma or any of the traumas that I'm aware of anyway. Um, and I'm using that to help others. I'm using my work to let people know that they're not alone. Um, and that's such a gift to know that you're not alone in something. Oh my God. It is like, oh, it's the best thing ever. Because when you feel like you're alone in an experience, it really sucks. And, um, and to know that somebody shares that experience with you, that they see you, they know exactly what you're going through. You don't have to explain what you're feeling. I mean, there is a connection there that is so amazing that um, it's a, it, it, you can't keep it from people. It's a gift. Now, you know, there are those who um, are survivors and share in that, in that survivorship, right? And that is amazing too. But then it's important to not get stuck in that place, to move onto a healing journey together. Because to stay in stuck mode, stuck in survivorship, to be like, okay, I survive. That's it. I'm good. Your, your whole existence feels a little small, a little cramped. And that's not what you're meant to do on this planet in this lifetime. You know, you're meant to radiate, you're meant to expand, you're meant to just beam out your love to everybody. Um, you know, one of my, one of my guests on a previous episode, Karen Kenny, I love, I love her energy. She's so amazing. And I loved what she said about, you know, the two questions that everybody asks, who am I and what is my purpose? Who am I? Your love. What is your purpose? To expand love. And that's it. That's it. And so I just want to invite you to think about who you are being as a manifestation of love. Is that showing up as your authentic self? Are you showing up as your authentic self? 
because your authentic self is love, right? So are you are you showing up as that? Are you being that? Um, and if you're not, get to the root of why. Because once you can see the root of things, you can pull those roots out and start fresh. So uh, I want you to think about that. Which bear are you? Just going back to the poem. Are you the bear who just foraged for food? Or are you the bear in the golden cage performing carnival acts for other people? I hope you're the bear that's out foraging for food. And if you're the bear that's in the cage, then maybe that awareness is enough for you to get the key because you have the key. Everyone has our own key. Put it in the lock and open the door. You can start there. And then when you're ready, you can step out of that cage and become that person you need to be. That person who you know is inside of you. You just need to peel away a few layers. And there's lots of ways you can do that. There's a lot of support you can do that. You know, a lot of tools out there. But you got to find something that works for you. And on that note, um, I just want you to think about healing and and all that good stuff uh, to close our episode for today. I just got a poem by um, Barbara Jane Reyes. And uh, she's going to be a guest on an episode coming up. So I want to give you a little preview. This uh, poem from her latest book, Letters to a Young Brown Girl. This poem is called Track. My Life, Mary J. Blige, 1994. Back in the day, we burned white sage. We filled our small spaces with lavender and sunlight. We were such love-thirsty brown girls, aching, unslaked. How do you fill a vessel of want? Back in the day, always on the edges, looking into others' tidy white lives. When we subsisted on cheap tea and nicotine, when our belongings, mostly poem-filled notebooks, fit neat into milk crates. Back in the day, we wished to be so beautiful in our darkness. We occupied nowhere, stared into spaces we didn't think we'd belong. We walked if we didn't have bus fare. If you look at our lives back in the day, you will see such sad girls, so met, so much unmet grace. Hmm. And so I invite you to maybe think about your lives back in the day and compare it to now to see how far you've come on your journey and take notice of choices you might have made and no judgment, no regret. Just notice these patterns and see if you might be able to change your responses, your choices to what happens now. What lessons have you learned then that you can apply now?
And hopefully that can lead you towards a path of healing that feels good for you, that feels uplifting and nourishing for you. And on that note, the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. Healing trauma is different for everybody. What does healing look like for us? What tools can we use? How can we tap into our own innate power to assist in that healing? Join me for a free three-day pop-up training on Instagram, September 26th to 24th at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'll talk about how our bodies hold trauma, how to identify those spots, and what to do to begin healing. Then that will culminate into a free healing workshop on Saturday, September 26th at 12 noon Eastern. Follow me at Surya Gyan Yogi to join in or check out suryagyan.com Heal to Power Interest List for more info. Your best life starts now.